You know, I could spend a lot of money advertising this show, but actually nothing is as powerful as word of mouth. So if you're really enjoying the show, then please share the show with a few of your friends who you think would enjoy it also. Another great thing that you can do is leave us a five-star rating and a review. Five-star ratings and reviews are how Apple Podcasts and other podcatchers help to identify shows of interest and introduce them to new people. If you do those couple things for us, then we'll be able to keep on growing this show and producing this content for you. That's all for now. On with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship philosophy, and life in general. I'm Ross Techner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about what realist artists know. It can seem sometimes like artists and art lovers fall into two camps, those that adamantly prefer abstraction and those who feel the same way about realism. Of course, this is a very simplistic view of art, and the fact is that these two approaches meet and mingle in countless unique ways. But it can be demoralizing for an abstract artist to be dismissed out of hand as lacking seriousness and skill, and the same for the realist, who may be criticized for lacking imagination or unique vision. In fact, all artists who have gained mastery at what they do have something to teach others. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. So this topic came to my mind as I was taking a walk um, here in New Mexico in these gorgeous fall colors and you know beautiful scenery. And I was looking at a bunch of leaves and grasses that were growing by the path and it just struck me the incredible range of colors that I was seeing and textures in those in those uh, plants. And I'm looking around at shadows falling on cliff faces. And I mean, it just, it, it was so gorgeous and, and so completely, the natural world is so, com- so completely complex and intricate. And I, it suddenly came to my head, well, what, how would it be to try to paint this in a realistic way to, to depict this? And the challenges that are involved in that, in translating this into paint, and this is not unknown territory to me because um, I actually have a pretty good cha- uh, understanding of this. Uh, I, I do have a background in at least semi-realistic landscape painting and further back, absolutely realistic rendering in college. So um, I haven't done this for years, but I do know what's involved, at least to some extent. I I never was developed to the point that many realistic landscape painters are. Um, and I also, even now, I I tend to use color and texture and value and so on in realistic ways in the sense that they come from observing nature, so they're not completely out of my head. Um, Anyway, I'm just contemplating this as I'm I'm walking along and thinking, well, there is this intersection between abstraction and realism that, as you said in the intro, you know, we can all learn from each other. We can all appreciate what the other person um, person does. And I, I do also know that many abstract painters have this background in realism, and then, you know, they've changed over time. They prefer abstraction now, but they have that appreciation and they have that kind of insider perspective of what's involved. But sometimes, and it bothers me, I hear um, artists who paint only abstractly 
just kind of dismiss realism. They have no interest in it. Um, and maybe even, as you said in the intro, believe things like there's no imagination involved or something like that, which is, you know, pretty pretty bad criticism. And it bothers me. And I, I don't think it's true. I think that we all have more in common than we do have differences. I mean, all artists are working with the visual elements, composition, and we're all just coming from this place of, of wanting to say something with our art and wanting to express our, our own ideas and our own unique ideas. So so I thought, well, it would be interesting to kind of talk about this division, this kind of two-camp thing, um, which does exist um, in, in its extremes. I mean, there are plenty of artists who appreciate all kinds of art, but to consider those extremes and and from the perspective of the abstract artist, um, you know what what are you missing if you if you're cutting that out of your life either by appreciating it or doing it yourself and i certainly myself have plenty of respect for realism that's that's done well and it's infused with that that artist's vision and ideas and, and actually i've had people be surprised at this because um you know when i i go to museums or look at art i'm I'm always interested in realism as well as abstraction. And, you know, people said, what? You're an abstract artist. How can you appreciate that? I'm like, well, it's all art. <laughs> um, and I think that this kind of either or thinking, it's abstract or it's not, it's realistic or it's not, that's also really oversimplified because there are so many approaches to to all kinds of art. And you know, when I when I teach about abstraction or talk about it, I talk about this continuum of how imagery is used or how the artist approaches painting and talking about painting here, but it could be 3D art as well. But it's this kind of long line and maybe at one end there's this super realistic, photorealistic work, you know, there's absolutely no doubt that this is as realistic as the artist can make it. And then at the other end, of this long line, there's this pure abstraction, non-objective abstraction. So there's no reference to anything in the visual world. It's it's just color and shape. Um, and then that line in between is filled with, you know, interpretations and departures and all these things from that those two extreme ends. So there's so much variety. Um, but I think for the sake of discussion today, we're going to talk about realism in the sense of the artist is aiming for really close representation. And of course, there's going to be aspects of personal interpretation, personal style. So it's not that extreme photorealism, but it's somewhere a little bit further away from that. And again, as I said, and as I said, it's going to be mostly about painting or other 2D work because that's what I know about. Well, and, and all realism, realistic representations we've talked about in the past are, are a distillation of reality. They're, yes. they're, they're not a, a direct uh, representation necessarily. They're, I mean, just moving from, from three dimensions to two involves distillation and um, making critical choices about how things are represented. Absolutely. And, and there's also always going to be decisions made in terms of of uh, what colors are being used um, and and what techniques are going to be used and how that's used to to represent reality. Yeah, and it is it is a representation. 
of reality, not reality. There's that famous Magritte painting of the pipe. It says in French on it, this is not a pipe. <laughs> it's just that that interesting, you know, I guess, I don't know what the word is, irony or something that we <clears throat> we would look at and say, that's a pipe. Well, it's a painting of a pipe. <laughs> and so at its real core, everything is an interpretation. And you know, even photorealism is an interpretation in the sense that that's the scene that the artist chose to present or something. So anyway, that's that's why I like to think of it as a continuum because it's it's not there just aren't clear cut divisions. Um, but people tend to think that way, and I, I think that's kind of interesting. Well, and even if you're working from photographs, and even if those photographs are uh, manipulated in a photo editing software, and yeah. Uh, you make all of your kind of decisions ahead of time in terms of of your your color palette and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, even then, that that movement from uh, a, a photograph or a digital image to paint is going to create a, a an artistic rendering that is different from reality. Right, and yeah, I mean, the more look at you look at it, you say that you know, there is no absolute realism in painting or three dimensions um, because it's it's always interpreted through your medium as well. What can the paint do? What can the stone do? If you're carving something, um, there will be limitations. And it's, you know, the fact that when we look around, everything is infused with light and, you know, reflected light. And to some extent, that becomes impossible to depict as reality. it's always changing. It's always shifting. So um, anyway, I, I uh, back, you know, kind of back to walking around in those weeds and thinking about what, what as an abstract artist, nature can show us. Um, it really struck me the color uh, complexity that I was looking at and the textural com- co- complexity. Um, and the fact that if you are trying to render that realistically as a realist painter, you're going to be really closely attending to all those nuances, all those little shifts of color and shadow. And I thought, you know, really too often, I, especially uh, for beginners, abstract painters don't really go beyond kind of simple color approaches or kind of color wheel approaches into using color that has that kind of complexity that can be so exciting and bold, or it can be very subtle. It can be provocative. I mean, you can put colors together that nature puts together that, you know, on your palette might look like they're not going to work. Um, nature makes them work. And so that kind of observation of the real world feeding your abstraction um, seems important. And also, you know, there's kind of a tendency, I think, if you're painting from kind of emotion to people might, uh, artists, equate certain colors with mood and emotion. Like if you were wanting to paint something abstractly that you wanted to be peaceful, you'd probably reach for your blues and greens because you know those are peaceful colors. But to find a range of expression within a color like that or the nuances or shifts um, that fi- that strikes just the right note, and it might mean including other colors. It seems like a lot of um, abstract art 
kind of stops short of really exploring um, the depth of of what nature gives us all the time. And there's so much potential in color, in colors that don't announce their names. They don't say, I'm ultramarine blue, you know. Instead, it's some mixture, variation. Um, and I, I do try to do this in my own work, and I will get asked by students, well, what is that blue? And I'll say, ooh, actually, I don't know. I don't remember. It was something I mixed on the palette because I really enjoy getting that range of subtlety into the color that I might pull in a little bit of red or something into the blue and just shift it slightly. Um, and that's what we find in nature. Um, and even if, even if you don't, even if your inclination isn't to pull actual imagery from nature in a realistic way, you can learn a lot just by observing and, and, you can observe all kinds of things, even buildings or, you know, light and shadow on a wall or anything in your world. You see this um, subtlety, really. And so I really feel like realist painters learn to see this and they they see so much about color and the most skilled ones reproduce that in paint. And just to see it. I mean, I, w I was on a, a walk the other day with a, a realist painter friend of mine, and we were looking out at the color colors on the hillside, and, and mainly it was green conifers and yellow aspens. You know, it was the fall colors. And he said, oh, look, do you see that little bit of purple there? And it was it was some trees that had dropped their leaves. And there was, there was indeed, when I looked, a slight purple cast to that, um, that stand of trees that I was missing, but he picked it up right away. He saw it. If he were painting it, he would have reached for the purple there and then some other colors as well, not bright purple, but there was just this slight purple cast. And I thought, how interesting. So, um, yeah, it just, it just got me thinking about all this, that, that, you know, and, and it's nothing, it, it, it's simply a way that if you are an abstract painter and you work with color that you know maybe there's more that you could be seeing around you that you could bring into your work um and and what are the other things what is, what are the skill sets that what is a skill set that a realist painter has a good one color yes um light and shadow um the ability to create illusion to uh, create a sense of depth in the work. And, and some abstract artists, lots of abstract artists are not interested in depth, perspective, and so on, because traditionally, at least, abstraction has been about flatness. <laughs> that takes you out of reality right away. And to make that leap, many artists work on basically a very flat or shallow picture plane, so you don't feel like you're you're looking at a scene. So maybe that's not a important if you're an abstract painter but um other things like ability to to render um the appearance of texture so abstract artists have the choice of actual texture where they're actually you know plowing into the paint in some way and creating a texture that you could feel with your hand they also have the option of visual texture which is what i use more in my own work it looks like there's physical texture, but actually it's created from layering the paint and pressing down the paint and so on. Um, 
And so a realist artist knows how to create visual texture. Typically their paintings are smooth, uh, but they create the illusion of that. And that's pretty tricky. It involves really subtle shifts of value and color. Um, as you mentioned earlier, there's this whole topic of editing. What does the realist artist choose to include in the painting? Most of the time they're going to be leaving some detail out. I mean, there's no way to include it all. And so there's a choice being made, you know, where do I want the viewer to look? What's important in what I'm painting? That's where I'm going to um, place the importance. That's where the focal point or the visual pathway goes. And other parts will be simplified. And that right there is also a skill that abstract painters need to make decisions and create a good composition. So I think it's really good to to acknowledge and, and respect all of that and and consider, well, if you're an abstract painter, how do these things how could the how could you benefit from paying more attention to these things in the work of realist painters? Uh, let's take a break to talk about what's new from Cold Wax Academy. Rebecca and her partner, Jerry McLaughlin, are excited to be launching year two of Cold Wax Academy's membership program, which began in October of 2020. In the coming year, live online learning sessions will feature an entirely new set of topics, beginning with a deep dive into technique and the steps involved in developing a painting. Other topics for year two include professional development, abstraction and realism, principles of design, and expanded uses for cold wax medium. As always, members will have access to recordings of all previous sessions, including everything from the first year, so it's easy to join anytime. Fall quarter begins October 6th. Please visit coldwaxacademy.com for details. That's coldwaxacademy.com about membership levels and to sign up for a new year of exciting learning experiences. So once again, that's coldwaxacademy.com. All right, let's get back into it. Okay, so I just went through some of the things that realist artists know, <laughs> the title of this podcast, and and the and mentioned that an abstract painter may not be interested in using all these skills, um, especially the ones that render objects in three dimensions, create the illusion of space, and so on. But others are universal concerns, like composition, editing, um, uh, kind of exploiting all the visual elements, you know, how can I use these in the best way? Um, and, and abstract artists may not use all the visual elements. Typically, they focus on just a few of them um, because they're not concerned with rendering realistically. If you're rendering realistically, you kind of need the whole toolkit. Um, to, a lot of abstract artists are, are definitely interested in something in particular like color or texture. Um, a lot of abstract artists are also interested in uh, what we call the materiality of, of whatever medium they're working in. So they're going to be calling attention to the process of making something or um, the physical properties of the medium that they're using in a way that, uh, you know, seems like realistic artists have to kind of harness what they're doing to make it do what what they want to show realistically. Um, an abstract artist exploits the freedom of saying, well, I can just, you know, use this paint very freely or whatever it is. Um, so there, there are definitely different basic 
focuses of the these different approaches, um, the abstract artist is kind of inventing reality, I guess, in a sense, rather than interpreting what they see. So I don't want to create too close a parallel here because there there are definitely differences. But you know, I I also think that there is this this overlap, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. And the same person I said was pointing out the the purple in the landscape that I didn't really see. I was talking to him another time about drawing, about realistic drawing. And um, we were talking about the way that drawing realistically trains your eye to recreate through your hand what you're seeing, which is a it's a specific skill, but it also has to do with control. We and we the phrase hand eye coordination we throw around, but to actually control what your eye sees and have it come out through your pencil or whatever it is, that is um it's a demanding skill and that can translate absolutely into abstraction because if you're using any kind of mark making or brushwork and abstraction that you want control over the more realistic drawing you have done, you probably have a better handle on that. And of course, you know, many great abstract artists in, in art history were academically trained in realism. So they have this kind of ability to to imagine it or think what they want and then create it um, through their, their hand-eye coordination. I would also say, of course, and I have to say, there certainly are excellent abstract artists of the past and of the present that don't have this academic training, and it's not absolute cause and effect. I mean, um, it's not that you, if you have this training, you're going to be a better abstract artist um, at all, because it it's a lot of artists that work abstractly just focus and develop what works for their ideas. You know, they have an idea, how am I going to do this? They develop it, and they can be very successful in what they do. So, you know, please don't take this as I think this is a necessity or that if somebody doesn't have this, they can't be a good artist. Um, and I, I would say uh, <laughs> a, an academic background, a realistic background, can also possibly inhibit uh, you getting into abstraction. So if you're coming from a place where you have only rendered reality and you have this desire to paint abstractly, that's a pretty big leap. <laughs> and you you almost have to unlearn certain things or get certain rules or conventions out of your head. And I know from from students that I've worked with that are skilled in realism, it can be very much of a struggle. And it was a struggle for me, even though I hadn't really developed my skills in, in realism. I had that background. And I had to find a way to step away from that in my own work. And it was actually a really long process and took a lot of, you know, exploration <laughs> to figure out what that might be. Um, so I don't think there's a clear answer as to whether it's important to actually practice realism if you're an abstract artist, um, it, it's so individualized. But I think that appreciating the skills of the realist artist um, can be good and consider gaining some of this technical knowledge 
for yourself it's if it's going to help your own goals um so an example of this where i think somebody could benefit from actually studying um reality and and trying to reproduce it is that um i've seen a lot of pretty awkward attempts by people who want to include abstracted figures in their work and it's it's something that speaks to them they they would like to have a figure in the work not a realistic figure but a suggestion of one and and yet they are not coming from a background of understanding the figure <laughs> of rendering the figure accurately or having some understanding of anatomy and so what happens is it it just looks odd you know there's no to abstract from something you need a knowledge of that thing. I, I do believe that. Um, if you want to abstract from buildings or objects or landscape or anything in the real world, um, I think you need a basic understanding of the realistic aspects of that subject. And the way you get that is by drawing it or you know, observing it extremely closely and actually trying to create it realistically. And so if the figure is what you'd like to put in your abstract work, I would strongly suggest joining a figure drawing group, <laughs> you know, and it's very difficult, actually. Um, and it's a, a really good practice, even if you don't have interest in the figure uh, in your abstract work, to practice drawing it from life is so, uh, well, it's humbling, let me say that. <laughs> I mean you you will you will struggle if you're not used to doing this and it's exciting it's challenging I I have done this myself in recent years and um you know had a range of success some of them were awful and some of them were pretty good and I used to draw figures well years ago so it's for me it's been kind of like can I get back to that and what would it bring to my work to be able to do that um and it's if you're interested in, in bringing some aspects of landscape into your work, by all means, sit in the landscape and draw. And and what drawing does makes you it makes you pay very close attention to things and and the details. And you can use color to draw, or you could do some watercolor or oil painting outside. And it may seem like, why do I want to do that? You know, that's not what I'm into. Uh, it won't be true for everyone that they will that they could benefit from that. But like I said, if you're abstracting, if you're including things in your abstraction that do come from reality, I think it's really helpful to try to to try to render those realistically in a sketchbook or just off to the side. You'll learn a lot, um, and I don't I don't believe you're going to lose anything. <laughs> like you're not going to lose your abstract vision, but you may really gain some gain some skill and, and understanding and be a better observer and and a better and and as I talked about before increasing your hand-eye coordination and being able to to do what you want to do when you when you start in with the paint yeah I think that exploring realism does help us to become more more detail oriented mm -hmm. um, and I remember teachers telling me uh, in the past to, um, imagine exploring a form from the perspective of an ant mm -hmm. and, and paying really close attention to even the most minute details in a, in a form. 
Yeah, and even if your own work in abstraction isn't detail oriented, maybe you you know you have flat planes of color or simple forms or whatever it is, it's still observing details still trains you to nuance. And I think there are many, many works of abstract art that contain nuance and others that could benefit from more nuance. And I, I talked about the color aspect within a within a tube color, you know, there can be lots of variations by just mixing in other colors just a bit here and there. And it it just it brings depth to the work. It brings visual interest. You can't take it all in at once. Your eye starts to explore and um and find interest in this sort of detail. So detail doesn't have to be, you know, a certain edge or whatever that you would see in nature, but it can just be an attitude of, um, of that observe observation and uh, complexity and differences from one part of the painting to the other that can really help a lot. And it's funny you mentioned the the perspective of an, of an ant. Um, I think a lot of beginning drawing classes do that, the ant drawings. I remember doing it in school too uh, with a figure and imagine, <laughs> kind of creepy, but imagine the ant crawling over, you know, the hand of the model or the face of the model and what what would be observed at on a really minute level. It's pretty interesting. Um, another related drawing exercise, which is is also helpful, I think, is to not look at your paper and draw only with your eyes. You're drawing with your hand, but you're not looking at it. So you're drawing with your eyes, and your eye follows the contour, follows the edge of something. Um, and it's kind of related to the ant drawing, as if you're as if you are the ant crawling over the surface. And when you look down at your paper. It's interesting. It's very abstract, actually, but you see so much variation in line, um, heaviness of the line, quality of the line, if you've been sensitive to what your eyes are seeing. So that's that's another interesting exercise that's used in a lot of beginning drawing classes. And I remember yeah, doing that one. Yeah, that's called a blind too. contour. Blind contour. That's what it is. I couldn't think of the name yeah. of it. Yeah, you probably did that one too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think in just about every art class I ever did, yeah. there was, there was a, a point where we did blind contours. And uh, yeah, as you say, it's it's a really interesting bridge between realism and abstraction because the the result is, is abstract. <laughs> right. right. But the, the process is is realistic. It's quite revealing when you look at the drawing and you see how sensitive the line can be based on just what your eyes are observing. Yeah, oftentimes the the result is when, when there's something that you're really focusing on and the detail within it, it becomes very large on the page, even right. if it may be very small in reality. Right, and and usually there's these big gaps where you pick the pencil up and you put it down again, and it's it's not connected at all. <laughs> yeah, usually they tell you try to try not to pick up your pencil. Right, so. right. Um, yeah, so those are just, I mean, those are fun. That's a fun thing. You could do that in your studio, and and just that kind of practice, I think, is really really good. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Yeah, to get back to that kind of polarizing position we started out talking about where you somebody might say, well, I only like to paint or look at either realism or abstraction. 
uh, okay, to me that makes no sense <laughs> because all forms of art have more in common than they have differences. And, you know, I think the whole point of this episode is it's really beneficial to see what that other camp is up to and what you can learn from them. And I, it would be interesting another time to, to talk about the other side of this discussion, of this discussion, um, you know, what skills do abstract painters have that might be really beneficial if you're a realistic painter? So maybe we'll, I'll take that one on another time. All right. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at www.coldwaxacademy.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.